Welcome to the Free Kit Martin podcast. We're going to start today with a date, May 11th, 2019. Kit Martin was at the Muhammad Ali International Airport in Louisville, Kentucky. He had just passed through security when he spotted a swarm of police officers rushing toward him. With passengers looking on, Kit Martin was handcuffed and arrested for the murders of three of his neighbors. To understand what led up to the arrest, you have to go all the way back to September 5th, 2012 in Pembroke, Kentucky. Stacy, can you describe Pembroke to our listeners? Sure. Pembroke is a rural town located in the southwestern corner of the state. The town was mostly made up of older houses with lots of land and farm fields. The small town was just a short drive from Fort Campbell, where Kit was stationed with 101st Airborne Division. He was an Army major and flew the Apache attack helicopter. Kit and his daughter Mackenzie, along with Joan and her three kids, lived right off Main Street in an older house. They painted a bright yellow. Now, on this day, there was an argument between Kit and Joan that resulted in Kit asking for a divorce. Joan's response was to issue a threat to ruin his life and career by accusing him of abuse. And that she did. Kit spent the next year and a half defending himself from a slew of accusations from child abuse to sexual assault to being an international spy. Despite being cleared by civil authorities, her accusations led to a court-martial trial. Neighbor Calvin Phillips was set to testify for both the prosecution and the defense. Two weeks before the trial, however, Calvin Phillips was found murdered in his basement. His wife, Pam, and neighbor, Ed Donzero, were also found murdered. Kit was a suspect because of the upcoming court-martial. Kit went on trial for the murder charges on June 3, 2021. We have a pretty good idea of who we think is responsible, and it isn't Kit. We'd like to welcome you back to the Free Kit Martin podcast. To all of our loyal freedom fighters out there, we know you're there. We are hearing from you. Stacy. I wanted to let you know we heard from Paul, and he's from Manchester, England. He hit us up, watched this thing when it was live back in June of 2021, and just wanted us to know that this is the way he now keeps up on this trial. And then I let him know all the other social media out there that you can follow where we are. So do let your friends know that curious about this case, because a lot of people, you know, start talking and then... You know, you kind of get off on exit ramps. It's really easy to do in this case, isn't it? There is always a way to kind of simplify it. And that's just to go follow us and listen to all these podcasts. The other thing you can do is uh, pre-order I Will Ruin You. That is the twisted truth behind the Kit Martin murder trial. And it's uh, an interesting book written by our good friend Emilio Corsetti. All based on facts, right, Stacy? Emilio, actually, and we didn't know him before this case, but he was interested in the case because I think that he writes books about wrongful convictions and just tries to investigate them himself. And he investigated, actually went to the crime scenes, walked to the crime scenes, you know, checked everything out and investigated on his own. And he concluded that there was no evidence that showed that Kit Martin was involved in any way. Yeah. 
So on March 26th, that will launch out to the public. You can pre-order that right now and get a digital copy for $2.99. So that's kind of cool. Um, that's not only Kindle, I found out. I was able to put that on all my Samsung devices and send it. But it will not be to our Samsung devices and the other devices until March 26th. I do believe they have a Kindle special going right now, though. If you want to sign up for Kindle, you can actually read that ahead of time and write some reviews for them. So that's all a go. And we also would like to just go ahead and do a trigger warning right now. Uh, everything's in our opinion here. We talk about tough topics on the Free Kit Martin podcast. All of that is directly ahead of us. We just want you to know that listener discretion is advised. So for those of you who follow the Free Kit Martin movement closely, you know that the appeal went to the Kentucky Supreme Court They ended up reversing the charges on arson. So that all went away, but the murder charges did not go away. And we wanted them to reconsider. So we've been waiting on that reconsideration from the Kentucky Supreme Court. And on the 15th of February, we got it. Yes, we did. And it was not what we hoped for. And um, it was very disappointing Because we would expect or would have thought that if we had a decision that the bare minimum, we would have had a reason why. But as a matter of fact, it just said that the request had been denied and we didn't really get an explanation. And that was disappointing. So there was some new information in there, though, um, that we received. I've never seen any kind of documents like this. But this particular one talked about a UPS delivery back to the Christian County Sheriff's Office, back to the Christian County Courts. So it's basically the discovery. And then they added to that 32 pieces of new sealed evidence that we don't know anything about. Yes, and that's very, very, very puzzling to me, Crystal, because I'm just going to share something with you and our listeners is that we have been trying to get that discovery. We being the kit and the family and I have been trying to get that discovery. Um, Now I'm sure that his lawyers probably had that, but he never saw ever saw every piece of that discovery. So he doesn't even really know what all was in that. So after I tried for, and he had written a letter and had it notarized and sent it, and I'm not going to bring any names out, but he had writ it, written it and sent it to one of his attorneys. And at first they said that I could have that discovery. And then the next thing I know, I couldn't have that discovery. Along with two boxes of his personal belongings and personal notes that he had left with him. And it was things like they didn't have the staff to make the copies and it would shut their office down. And then they were going to get additional staff to make the copies and that didn't happen and then I did receive a call that everything all the documents had finally been sent to Frankfurt which is actually where the Supreme Court if I'm not incorrect it's where the Supreme Court is and then Chris gets Chris Kit to you all Uh, I'm sorry I keep referring to him as Chris because that's what I always called him by his legal name he gets a call from his attorney or maybe he calls his attorney I'm not sure which way that went but the attorney tells him that all the discovery is going to be sent to his family's address within a month it would be about a month interestingly enough 
that's when we get the decision from the Supreme Court. And I'm not sure how anybody knew how long that was going to take or when we would have that answer. Yeah. Or if all of this is just another weird coincidence and there's no such thing as coincidence when it comes to these true crime stories. It just seems like to me, every coincidence just can't be that much of a coincidence. You know, uh, that is amazing. So uh, have you spoken to Kit since the reconsideration? Yes. And actually, you know, I dreaded telling him, but I didn't want him to just receive some cold letter saying you've been denied. And so I wrote him an email and just said that I was sorry to tell him, but not to give up because we are not stopping. We will not stop until he has his freedom or until our last breath. But he responded with a letter. And if you'd like, Chris, so I can share that with our listeners now, because he wants his supporters to have this information. Is that okay? Oh my gosh, yes. Thank you for your thoughts and prayers for me and my family. As you have continually seen, if you are waiting for justice in Kentucky, you will be forever disappointed. I feel especially bad for all those that follow me to trial in Kentucky because it is now open season for abuse of pleading the fifth and hearsay witnesses. Mm. Yeah, it's sad. I will answer emails as soon as I can, as I am now working full-time in the chapel. I am again ministering to the hundreds of men held in the hole, which means isolation. For most, their greatest crime was having been born poor. There are no rich Kentucky elites here, no crooked judges or lawyers, and only one crooked ex-cop. I spent 30 years putting my life on the line to defend freedom. It does not exist here anymore. The U.S. has 4% of the world's population, but 25% of the world's prisoners. With your ongoing support, we will continue to fight to shine a light on the injustice industry and return the rights of the Constitution for everyone. And he quotes, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And that's in the Bible in John 1, 15. Oh. Thank you and God bless Kit Martin. Oh, my goodness. There's so much to say. There's so much to unpack there. Man, uh, I love that he is full-time in the chapel now. We were wondering when yeah. that full-time thing was going to happen. So now we know that's a go. Kit pegged this term a long time ago. But there is an injustice industry out there that we have to talk about. Because that's where we are. That's what we're left with here, Stacy. after the Supreme Court's decision. It's very sad because, as you know, and we'll not dig into specifics today until we have time to do more research. But as we've been researching and working on his case, we have come across many, not a few, but many cases of corruption. And it is really sad. And, you know, if you're sitting there in your seats and you're listening to us, or if you're standing up, you better sit down because all someone has to do to you or your family is to point the finger at you and say he or she did this. And guess what? If you can get the police or political figures or whoever it may be behind you and support you, they're going to look at that person and they're going to find a way to convict them. Yes. And we see many Many, many, many cases up out there. It is very, very scary. We're talking about Kit Martin, who is not just a military hero. He is a human being who 
never even had a speeding ticket. And now he's convicted of three murders with no evidence, zero evidence that we can't disprove. Uh, it's unbelievable. If you think about all the evidence they tried to throw out to that jury and everything coulda, shoulda, woulda, and the dog tags, which we've proven right here on this podcast, are not real military issued dog tags. Number one, he's not Catholic. Number two, they don't use nicknames on dog tags. We know that there's regulations. You used to work in regulations in the army and Stacy knows what she's talking about here. Also, the misleading cell testimony, how it, uh, especially with Scott Smith and what started this whole mess in the grand jury to begin with. That was some misleading cell phone testimony. Are you with me on this? Absolutely. Very misleading testimony just to get the indictment, to even have Kit Martin in the courtroom at all. It was misleading. And then they ask for, if I'm not mistaken, a directed verdict to say this case needs to be thrown out. This detective has given the grand jury false information to get this indictment. He said that Pam Phillips, one of the victims, and Kit Martin's phone took the same pathway of travel. They did not. The cell brought records The is proof. It shows. It shows that the phones were in opposite directions. They did not travel together. But, you know, I wonder, Crystal, did they check anyone else's phone to see what path that phone went in? You know, they choose one person and they say, yeah, he did it. We're going to show he did it. Did they check anyone else's phone, Joan, to see what direction her phone was traveling? That's right. We have to talk about Joan when it comes to the phone because she had Pam Phillips' phone, and Pam Phillips is one of the victims. That's why you see the hashtag all over social media, Joan had the phone. Joan had the phone in this case and never had to step foot in the courtroom. The most important thing was Joan Harmon and her son, taking the fifth. I think that that radically changed the outcome of the case. If the jury had known what Joan had to say, if she had had to sit in that courtroom and answer questions, if her son had had to sit in that courtroom and answer questions, this would have been a different outcome. But even though she was subpoenaed to come and testify in the trial, not only did she not have to answer questions, but the jury wasn't even told that she had taken the fifth. They weren't even told that she'd been subpoenaed. We weren't allowed to tell the jury, in fact, that we tried to get her there. And my concern is not only did they not have their information, but the jury may have decided that that we didn't want her there. And that's the opposite of the truth. We know that in some way there there was some connection because she had the phone of one of the victim. So even just that one little fact is so stunning and disturbing. Um, I don't, the son's involvement, that was another thing that we didn't really get to know a lot about why he would be taking the fifth. Can you shed a little bit of light on, on that, please, Tom? I think they took the Fifth Amendment and refused to answer questions and refused to come to court because they're involved in this case. I think The reason someone takes the Fifth Amendment is because there is criminal activity that they have engaged in that they don't want to answer questions about. And uh, so that's what I believe occurred. 
So Joan Harmon knew that she would either have to lie or she would have to tell the truth about her involvement in this case, and she didn't want to do it. I'd like to point out that Joan Harmon's connection to this case is apparent and known by everyone who investigated. Nothing is more telling than the fact that Joan Harmon's boyfriend was so well known and considered to be potentially part of the case that his own brother, who was on the Sheriff's Department, was removed from the crime scene on day one because of a potential conflict of interest. So it isn't something that, that we as defense attorneys came up with. This is not a scam. This is something that the police, way before any defense attorneys were involved, on day one said, Joan is potentially involved in this. Pled the fifth. Oh my God. And didn't have to do it in front of the jury. The jury never knew she even walked in there. It unbelievable unbelievable turn of events and that changed everything it changed the whole direction of the case as far as i'm concerned yes. in the trial yes it did and the reason that i point out and i could be wrong again i haven't seen the discovery and chris has not seen all of the discovery and so which i don't even know that that's constitutional maybe it is because the attorneys i think had it but you know the reason i said did they check the path of Joan, Harmon, Guerra, Martin. Adele Gritton, we are looking for you to be on this podcast. We would like for you to come, please be on the Free Kit Martin podcast and talk. For the love of God, we want to hear from you. Yes. So the reason I said, did they check the path of her phone is because as we've stated many times, she comes to the AT&T store, I believe in Hopkinsville. She brings the victim's phone in. When they realize it's Pam Phillips' phone, they call the police. Instead of staying there to talk to the police to say, I found the phone or whatever excuse she had, you know, wouldn't you want to do that? Instead, she grabs her kids and scurries out before the police officer even gets there. Now, why would you do that unless you were hiding something? Right. And not to go on any exit ramps or anything, but as soon as the police officer, Detective Noiseworthy, got there, he got a call from Joan Harmon. And, you know, that's it. Yep. Got a call from her. I think I did. Yeah, I think that's in the log. Oh, William Stokes called you, too. Oh, yeah, I think it's there. I mean, and then they just, and then they just pass right by it in a court of law and they don't go any further with it. And it's very, very frustrating to watch. Chris's, Kit's attorneys tried to ask the question of Scott Noiseworthy of what did Joan say? Of course, it, it was objected to and it was, you know, sustained and that story never was able to come out in court. But if she had this, truth of how she found the phone or how she came about the phone, and I'm in quotations, truth, then why didn't she just stay in the store to tell the police officers? And I know I'm going down this rabbit hole, but to me, there was one piece of hard evidence that there was hard proof that some individual had. It was Pam Phillips' phone it was in the hands of Joan Harmon, and all they did was drive by her house. Now, is that insane? 
It is insane to think about an obligatory drive-by. That's all that happened as a result of investigating the woman who had one of the victim's phones in this case. Now, let's also remember that the murders took place on November the 18th, 19th, and that this phone wasn't turned into AT&T until New Year's Eve. So all the murders, of course, happening before Thanksgiving, they go through all the holiday season. She's at New Year's Eve and walks in there and tries to get it. Why did she walk in there with it? Do we even know what she was trying to do, Stacy, with that phone? I would have loved for them to have brought a witness in from the AT&T store, maybe someone that had heard the conversation or someone that had talked to her, because I don't think we have clarity of exactly what she said. What was her reason for bringing the phone? And to your point, the murders happened uh, November 18th, 2015. Bodies were discovered November 19th, 2015. She says this phone was thrown in her yard. It was found in her yard. There's all kinds of testimony of it was just raining so hard and it was such bad weather and it was so muddy that this car got stuck when whoever went to burn it. But this cell phone supposedly lays in her yard and it's perfectly fine. You know, so that doesn't even make sense. Right. And it doesn't make sense on the timeline that Kit wouldn't have had time on their timeline either to get the phone all the way to Todd County, throw it in her yard and get back and, uh, you know, be up by daylight. I mean, crazy, crazy. Their timeline was horse poop. I mean, it just was it. You know, it was impossible for what they said that he did. Impossible. And, you know, we could go back through that timeline in particular and talk about some things. But, you know, like when supposedly Pam Phillips and Ed Donzero were unfortunately killed, you know, Chris had was, I think, taking his stepdaughter to horse riding lessons. And, you know, I specifically asked him this question recently. Did you stay there? And he said, oh, there's no leaving them there. Because, you know, what they're doing, they could get hurt. They have the parent to stay at at the horseback riding lessons. So, you know, what's he going to do? Go take his stepdaughter to horseback riding lessons, stop and get his fiance flowers for their anniversary. And, oh, let me stop over here and kill these people on my way home. That is crazy. Right. And then they tried to pin him like in the middle of the night. You know, he has Top Gun to wake him up on the phone, right? So Top Gun wakes him up. I mean, he's a military guy. I think that's kind of cool, right? So, but they had to make fun of that sort of in in the court. But anyway, he gets up in the middle of the night to check a kerosene heater. It was the first night he was using it in the winter. And it was for, so the pipes wouldn't freeze, you know, down in the basement. And it was a brand new kerosene heater. So he was checking on that in the middle of the night, had his alarm set for like one. So they used that against him, said that that's when he went over and started moving bodies and started, and he, you know, he's completely maintained his innocence since day one. In fact, turned down a plea agreement, right, Stacey? Yes, they offered him a plea agreement because they knew they had nothing. They offered him a plea agreement of five to 13 years. And he said, I am not going to say that I did something that I did not do. 
I mean, you know, I think some people, Crystal, they condemned him a little bit for taking the stand and his personality. I think they referred to it as ego or whatever word they use. He's military. He's got a military personality. And you think, Crystal, you know, they were saying you killed these three people that you didn't kill. And you're sitting there and, you know, they kind of made their comments because he said, this is stupid. But it is stupid. I mean, what other adjective is he going to use? Because he's sitting there knowing he's an innocent innocent man. And I'm thinking, he's pro put yourself in his place. You've got to be thinking, how did this happen? How did I get here? This is stupid. I didn't have anything to do with this. Right. You know, it's just awful. It's just unbelievable. And then we have 100 DNA samples. So they gather 108 DNA samples from somebody. Somebody did this murder. None of them belong so to Kit Martin. They? Right. None of this belonged to Kit Martin. None of those 108 DNA samples. Of course, in the court, in the trial, they tried to make you think by saying coulda, woulda, shoulda, babs. It very, you know, everything was similar. It could have gone through his gun. It coulda, it shoulda, it woulda. You know, and it was just, to me, bothersome to watch Barbara Whaley giving that closing argument. Everything seemed to change. The whole thing changed in her closing argument. And we didn't get, we didn't get the final word. They did. That's right. And Crystal, I know you're referring to is in her closing statements, she says, she misleads that jury right there in that murder trial. She says there were four hairs and they were similar to Kit Martin, she knows full good and well because she was sitting in the same courtroom that I was sitting in where we, they agreed, the prosecution and defense before the murder trial agreed to send those four hairs to the FBI to Quantico for the most extensive testing you can have. It's mitochondrial testing. They tested those four hairs. The report came back and the report stated it excluded Kit Martin could not have been his hairs. She knew that, and she she fit, full well knew that. And still, she makes a closing statement to get a man in prison for life to say they were similar when she knew they could not have been his hairs. How does that woman lay down and sleep at night? I know. There's a lot of people in this case that I wonder how they lay down and sleep at night because they pointed to the guy across the street and so he did it. He did it. He did it. Everybody look here. He did it. And, you know, this woman has gone around town here for a year or so saying he's capable of doing it. So surely to God, it was him that did it. And just no evidence, zero evidence. And here we are. Twelve people convicted Major Kit Martin in a court of law it, in Kentucky. Crystal, I can't help but to have a question about that. They had so many people. And I'm just going to go there. They had so many people to tell them that it could be Joan, Joan, Harmon, Garrow, on and on and on, including me. I called Detective Smith myself, and I told him that if he was looking in the wrong place, and he said, well, if you know something, you need to come in and talk to me. And I said, you can come get me. And he said, why will you not talk to me? I said, I don't trust you. I do not trust you. I love you. I know what you I know what you've said to the grand jury and I do not trust you. Oh my god, that's my Stacy right there. That's that's and, queen. 
because, right there. Because so my question being, why? Why did they want to pin it on? You know, maybe some of our listeners have the answer to this. I don't. But why would they have a choice here? They have hit Martin with this up until the court martial that Joni orchestrated. They had this man with this great military record. Like I said, no, not even a speeding ticket in his lifetime. Then they have Joan, who is a felonist, a bigamist. I don't even know if felonist is a word, but she has a felony. <laughs> that's, a female, she is, that's a female felon. I like it. <laughs> she has a felony, and she's a bigamist, and she has a history. So why, Crystal, why would they choose we're going to pin this on Kit Martin because they made a conscious decision. They made a decision to deceive and they made a decision that this man is the one they were going to find guilty. And we as American citizens cannot stand for this. This man is in prison to serve the rest of his life. And he did not do this. No, he did not. And I don't care what kind of a jerk you think he is. And I don't care if his, his shoes were squeaking and somebody on the defense laughed and you took, you know, you, your butt hurt over that. It, it's the craziest thing. You know, the judge just kept laughter going all the way through that trial. Even some of the court TV people talked about it. it you know, the, a lot of that wasn't broadcast, but he was just Mr. Personality to that jury, you know? And so you got to remember, uh, you know, they kind of trust the judge in all of this. He's leading them through this process. And whatever you think of people being a jerk or having ego, we were there, our team, I say the defense was there to do a job. And man, what a job they had to do uh, because it, all odds were against them. And I do believe that Tom Griffiths just sort of figured that out in towards the middle of the trial somewhere. He wasn't getting anywhere because it seemed like we were playing dirty poker when all we were trying to do was call out the dirty poker that was being presented in front of us in the middle of the game, you know? Absolutely. I do feel like that um, Chris's attorneys did the best that they could. Maybe there were a few instances that I think that they got up to a point and could have pushed just a little bit harder but I also can step back and say, when they did try to push a little harder to get the answers that we needed, they were stopped by objections that were sustained. And that is really sad because, you know, maybe I live in this fairy tale world, but to me, what you really should want in a court of law is the truth. Absolutely. And we didn't get the truth. We do not mean to be disrespectful to the deceased, nor would Kit. We do not mean that in any way. What is just the most asinine craziness of this is that because somebody called, a female called, either the radio station or the police department, I'm not sure which it was, and said, if you want to know who killed the people across the street, it's the man in the yellow house incidentally she called him major christian martin and nobody around there even knew him as christian martin they knew him as kit that's interesting 
there's a lot of little phone calls that went down on the 18th, 19th, you know, and then also in that time period that Noiseworthy was involved and very much working with Scott Smith on this thing and going to pick up that victim's phone, picking up Pam Phillips' phone from the AT&T, doing the obligatory drive-by by Joan's house and nothing else. That's it. What? Let's think she about that a minute. Had a, she had the phone of one of the victims. I Yes. Why was she not like handcuffed and taken to jail right from that AT? Why would they not track her down? Oh, my well, God. Let's think about that for a minute, Crystal. And you know what? To put that in perspective, two different situations. Joan has the victim's phone. They drop by her house. Laura... Chris's fiance at the time, what maybe a hundred pound female, is the only one in her house, and they take the SWAT team in to attack her. Unbelievable. The SWAT team, but Joan that actually had the evidence, they drive by her house. Are you kidding me? Right. And the deal, think about that. Christian County, is that your going rate for a triple murder? Yeah, five to 13-year plea bargain. Oh, but incidentally, when we get to the bond hearing, is so serious, we're going to ask for, say he's got to have a $3 million bond to even get out until his trial. And they, all the time, he knew they were looking at him even when he lived in another state because they were coming to the other state and swabbing his mouth and pulling his hairs out of his head. So they knew he had an opportunity to run and he did not. But yet it gets to the bond hearing. There's false testimony to the grand jury to to get him indicted. And then we get to, that was the grand jury hearing. Then we get to the bond hearing and they put a $3 million bond on him which to me is very unconstitutional because he couldn't get out and work on his case. You know, it's just, you know, the, it doesn't equal out. It doesn't balance out here. It, anybody that will really sit, watch the trial, listen to the facts. Let's just not take into that. Okay. They don't like Kit on the stand. You're not going to like everybody, but does that make them a murderer? No, it does not. I would be a little bit agitated and aggravated and might call something stupid also if they said I did something that I didn't do. I mean, it's insane. It is insane. And you know what? The bond hearing didn't even happen for a year. He was in jail for a year before they even gave him a bond hearing. Okay, since we're talking about Constitution, Bill of Rights, and all that stuff he fought for while he was in the Army, and we have talked about that. Kit and I have talked you know, about the Bill of Rights. And he's like, man, you don't want, you you never want to get to a point where we're disrespecting what so many have died for, you know, in the military. Uh, and that constitution that was written for this United States, it's, it's a magical thing. We here in the United States are a free country and it's a, it, it's envious to the rest of the world, what we created here right now. It has become a bit of a banana republic. And it's scary because it's such a big superpower, you know, and here we are messing around with the justice system like this, where we can, where this can happen, where an innocent man like Christian Kit Martin can just be tossed into jail for three murders that he did not commit. It's absolutely astounding. I mean, how many years was it 
before they actually arrested him for the murders. Do you remember? Yeah, the murders happened in 2015, at the end of 2015, and he was arrested May 11th, 2019. So I ask you this. What new evidence did they have between the time of 2015 to 2019? You know, I heard somewhere, I don't remember where I heard it on TV, somebody was making an announcement about he had been arrested. Oh, maybe that was Andy Bashir that made that announcement and said that they had new evidence. He would never speak to what that evidence was. But I ask you, I still don't know what that new evidence is. Do you? No, he's been tried and convicted. We still don't know what the new evidence is. There is no new evidence. They had no evidence to begin with, but they still got their conviction. And you better believe that that's possible in the United States. You better believe that it is the injustice industry. You know, now we have our reconsideration decision and the Supreme Court just writes a couple of lines and says no, basically. Um, We now have... 32 pieces of evidence that has been sealed. And that is bothersome to us. We do want to know what that's about. Um, And we have a couple of options. And so, you know, Emilio Corsetti's book is about to come out here on March 26th. And we've talked to Emilio about this. Let's go to one of our episodes here about four or five episodes ago, where we talked to Emilio about the writ of habeas corpus. I wanted to give your listeners a roadmap of of what's to come. All right. We're ready. All ears. It exhausted his appeals because in in Kentucky, once you, if you're convicted of a murder, capital murder case, um, it doesn't go to an appeal court and then you can appeal that to the Supreme Court. It just goes directly to the Supreme Court. Right. Right. This one. So he can't appeal it anymore uh, legally, but there is a legal avenue um, uh, available to him, and it's called the writ of habeas corpus. Oh yes. All right. All right. So what that means is, if you if you can find new evidence or you can challenge the evidence that was used against him, then you can request a new trial. All right. By by claiming that he's being unlawfully detained. All right. So that's the avenue that's available to him. Uh, but what you need to do is you need to have a lawyer. Uh, to do that. So there's a couple ways that, that are open, avenues that are open to them. One is uh, new evidence. And I've, I've come across some new evidence. But the new evidence that I've come across is not strong enough to get a new trial, but is strong enough to use if a new trial is granted. Um, I'll give you one example. I can't go into detail all of it. All of it but this is an, just an example of something that came up after the trial. Marlene LaRock, I had an opportunity to, to talk to her. And, and uh, you know, as you know, she was mentioned in the appeal, uh, right? Um, in fact, they, they said that uh, Judge John Atkins not giving her the ability to, to talk was in error. All right. That's in the appeal. Okay. But they said it was a harmless error. All right. So Marlene LaRock, and, and this didn't come up before the trial. It only came up after Marlene saw some of the court TV coverage. All right. But you remember in the trial on the day of the murders, Pam called Marlene just before she was shot. 
Marlene says that one of the things that Pam said was that Cal's keys and wallet were laying out on the table. Yes, I remember that. Well, she didn't say that. She didn't, no one knows that. She said the keys and the wallet were laying out on the table. But then when she saw on the court TV coverage that the wallet was up on the shelf along with the dog tag, she realized that whoever had shot um, Pam had moved the wallet on the top of the bookshelf next to his phone and where the dog tag was found. Where it was planted, right? yes. So how is that new evidence? Well, that evidence points towards the planted evidence theory, right? Mm -hmm. So why would you move the wallet from the table to the shelf next to the phone only if you were also going to plant the, uh, the dog tag, all right? Now, here's another avenue of what's called challenging the evidence. Uh, and I'm not a lawyer. I'm not giving legal advice. But, but this, these are some possibilities that are open to Kit. So there are a couple of avenues to challenge the evidence that was used against them. And one of them is the dog tag. So Kit already testified that it wasn't his dog tag. We know it's not an official dog tag. Everybody knows that it wasn't his dog tag. But there's no reason that Calvin Phillips would have a dog tag that says Kit Martin on it. No. Absolutely no reason. Zero. There's only three people that know that would have any reason to have that dog tag. EJ, Alma, or Essie. Those right? would be the kids of Joan Harmon. Right. So all you have to do is if you can get Alma or Essie to say, yes, that that was a, a gift that my mother gave to EJ on his 15th birthday or whatever. All right. Now you're challenging the evidence that was used against them. So how does a birthday present uh, to EJ end up at a crime scene? Love when it. he hadn't been involved with this family for years. And interestingly, we didn't know him as Kit until he moved to Pembroke. We, it was Chris was his name. So, you know, only the people around there would have known his nickname to be Kit because he was always Chris to all of us. Right. Yeah, so, um, I mean, you know, I, the dog tag is definitely one example. And then there's another avenue, too. I mean, there's two more uh, avenues in the writ of habeas corpus that you can use. One is ineffective counsel. I'm not going to bash the lawyers on his defense team. They made some mistakes. But in my opinion, they did the best job that they could under the circumstances. But that, that's still an avenue because they did make some mistakes and I won't go into them now. There's also the possibility of jury misconduct, all right? Um, in the interview I did with juror number five, uh, he mentioned to me that he told the other jurors, he swayed the other jurors to his line of thinking by claiming that he knew some people in Iraq and Afghanistan who wore their dog tags on something other than a a chain because of the heat. Well, that was not evidence that was presented at trial. And as a jury, your your role is to use the evidence that was presented at trial and not to introduce your own evidence. Right, as a jury, right. So those are some of the avenues, but there's, an, there's another very more important 
challenging of the evidence I can't go into now that could completely change the whole thing around. Again, we want to thank Emilio Corsetti. He wrote the book, I Will Ruin You, The Twisted Truth Behind the Kit Martin Murder Trial. It comes out uh, March 26th officially. You can go ahead and pre-order now. And if you're on Kindle, go ahead and get your copy right now and write a nice review for those cats because Wild Blue Press, we appreciate you. I want you to know, Stacy, they put all of our podcasts up there on their website as well. So uh, a lot of new yeah. followers coming uh, to the party here. And we appreciate you, Wild Blue Press, and we appreciate everybody. All of our international listeners, we see you. We hear you. Please keep the letters coming. We would really, really like to hear from you at freekitmartin at gmail.com. Hey, Stacy, thank you so much for carving some time out this weekend. It's really good to talk to you. You too, Crystal. And thank you all for listening. And, you know, part of me wants to say I apologize for my rant, but I just can't. Enough is enough. And I will say we have the commitment of several supporters, many thousands of supporters, and we are not going to give up. Okay, we got a no from the reconsideration. We go on. There are other steps, and we will take them. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you so much. And remember to share, to subscribe, and to tell all your friends about the Free Kit Martin podcast.